Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Fearless for Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday. Uh, while the weekend's almost here, Shamika's still in studio. Round of applause for Shamika Michelle. Uh, can, we, can we get Shamika on camera here? Because I got a comment here I want to make about Shamika. Shamika, <laughs> yesterday you came in here dressed like uh, Diana Ross and Lady Sings the Blues. Was she in Lady Sings the Blues? Yes. Yeah, Diana Ross and Lady Sings the Blues. Who was the star of Mahogany? That was my mother's favorite movie when I was a kid. I think it was Diana Ross. That was Diana Ross too, Mahogany and Billy D. Williams. Yes. Yesterday you came in here dressed like that, and I was like, oh my God, Shamika, I can barely look at you. And today, because you look so good, today you're in sweats. What what provoked the very casual, not my comments, I hope. No, no. Oh. Because um, I had to fly back, so oh. I wanted to be comfortable. Not that you don't look good. But, you know, the, the dynamics from yesterday, was like, I'm talking, we got Mahogany in here. My mother's probably watching this, thinking about, oh, did you ever watch Mahogany? I did. Yeah, I don't really mother. remember the storyline, but I watched it. Yeah, my, that was my, we had to watch that with my mother. Every time about, I don't know if that was a Christmas movie or whatever, but everything would stop. My mother and her sister would get on the phone, my auntie, and, and my aunties, my cousin Kelly, she thought she was Diana Ross. And thought she was gonna marry the next Billy D. Wood. Anyway, yeah. yeah. And I wanted to show them, you know, different looks. Versatile. Yeah. The versatility. All right. So Shamika's in studio. Steve Kim's uh, gonna join us here in just a second. We're gonna talk. I know the 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 Dion Winers are going to be happy and irritated today because the Dion Winers are the same as LeBron James Winers. They're the exact same people. And we're going to talk about LeBron James here in a second. Uh, LeBron making some comments that irritated me. Uh, so we'll talk about that with Steve Kim. We'll talk about some other sports stuff uh, with, with Steve Kim. Jamal Adams is uh, going after some reporter and the reporter's why. Anyway, we'll get into that with Steve Kim. Before we do any of that, I want to take care of, you know, one of our favorite sponsors. You guys know how I feel about preborn. Uh, why is our society so ravenous to abort babies? According to a former Satanist, the demonic forces have a bloodlust for the innocents and sickly and believe their blood sacrifice empowers evil. Make no mistake, we are fighting a spiritual battle as we protect the most innocent among us, babies in their mother's womb. Preborn stands on the front lines of this battle and their network of clinics are positioned in the highest abortion areas often next to abortion mills where unspeakable evils take place every day. 
Preborn offers God's love and life to protect hurting women and precious preborn babies. And every time a baby is saved, which happens 200 times a day, good conquers evil. Please make your most generous gift. It is the holiday season. Make your most generous gift to empower good and rescue precious souls. For just $28, you can sponsor an ultrasound that doubles a baby's chance at life. To donate securely, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. Or donate the way that I prefer to do it. Preborn.com slash fearless. That's preborn.com slash fearless. Be a good fearless soldier. Hook preborn up because they hook us up. They're the reason uh, we can have uh, these conversations. Uh, play the Steve, uh, if you guys are ready, play the Steve Kim intro uh, before I get into uh, talking about LeBron James. Can we, can we do that? Can we, am I throwing a curveball here that's screwing us up? I want to bring Steve Kim in here to crack a few jokes before I get into this LeBron James deal. Play the Korean Cosell open. Steve, welcome back to the show. Uh, have 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 Steve and Shamika, have y'all been on together before? Yes. Just in studio like this, but we haven't met in person. You haven't met in person, but you have been in the same segment before. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I thought we were. We're going to have some, uh, you know, Steve tops me and just about everybody on the show with the hip hop and R&B references. So, you know, we could have a versus Shamika versus the Korean Cosell in uh, R&B and hip hop references. Steve, <coughs> did you see this? Uh, LeBron James is about to play in Las Vegas in the in-season NBA tournament. And of course, uh, the media tees up uh, LeBron James with because there was a tragic shooting in on the UNLV campus, I believe, yesterday. And so, of course, they had to go to that noted Second Amendment authority, that noted uh, social justice warrior, that public intellectual, uh, LeBron James, and get his thoughts on, you know, what should happen in Las Vegas and what should happen with guns. And so, of course, uh, LeBron obliged them with these comments. So first of all, my condolences goes to the families that lost loved ones um, and, uh, you know, families, the friends and everything. Um, it just it just goes back to what I said before about guns in America. I think it's, it's such a longer conversation, but it's, it's we're the only ones who keep dealing with this same story, the same conversation every single time it happens and, and it just continues to happen. And, you know the ability to get a gun, the ability to, <clears throat> you know, to do these things over and over and over, and there's been no change is literally ridiculous. It makes no sense that we continue to use, lose innocent lives and, <clears throat> you know, on campuses, on schools, at shopping markets and, you know, movie theaters and all type of stuff. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the fact that we haven't changed anything it's actually been a lot easier to actually be able to, to own a firearm. Um, it's, it's, it's stupid. Steve, <laughs> uh, well, should we go ladies first or Steve, do uh, you want to fire first here? Uh, Steve, your thoughts on LeBron James, the great public intellectual, the opponent of the Second Amendment? You know, I actually don't disagree with much of that particular statement, but I'm going to go 
Kimston White here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kimston White. So I'm going to be very blunt about this. Okay. By the way, great couple shows. And I just want to make it very clear. If Charleston White comes in studio, uh, I am flying down. I'll even take a flight on Sprint. Okay. Won't even pack a carry-on. Spirit. I will be spirit. Spirit. Yeah. Spirit. Or, or Frontier. That's not very good either. Now, here's the thing. LeBron, you want to talk about gun violence and what the victims look like or what happens. You know, here's they, they cherry picked this argument or this particular subject because you actually look at what happens in his own home city of Akron, Ohio. People are getting gunned down regularly. In fact, I can name you about 50 cities where gun violence is prevalent every single day. Now, and, and by the way, they look, those victims look a lot like LeBron. And so if he really cares about his people, like he says, or the community tie, okay, let's be crusaders about this and actually root out the day-to-day problem. I find a lot of these arguments and these statements very superficial, very phony, and very hypocritical. Because if you actually look at the statistics of gun violence, where it happens, who is the perpetrators, who are the victims, that is the unsaid truth. But they'll pick certain instances to then suddenly care about the Second Amendment. They only care about it when they can politicize it for their favor. I can't believe you found anything in there agreeable, but perhaps you're not a, uh, a, a supporter of the Second Amendment. You don't understand no. why we have the right to bear arms, Steve? No, 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 Are you no, about no. to trigger I, I, me? I completely agree. Um, but look, it, it's a tragedy. It shouldn't happen. I, I believe there should be checks, but... <laughs> Believe in the Second Amendment wholeheartedly. Absolutely. More than ever, in fact. I, I believe in it more than ever. And But the, the problem that I have... Uh, there's that rooftop Korean, I remember. There, yeah, I'm on that rooftop. <laughs> Trust me, I got that sniper. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at that like it's the 38th parallel, and that cousin that I don't know from the north, he's going to get it if he crosses that liquor store line. However, here's the thing where I don't understand why we're asking LeBron about this. This is what I hate about the modern-day media. There are a bunch of ass kissers. Uh, who cares what LeBron has to say? Uh, the, 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 the most empty thing that athletes and the media that supports them has to say is, well, he's got a platform. Right. I don't care. I, I can ignore it. But he's got a message he's going to spread. Right. And if I don't disagree with it, I can disagree with it. There's whole notion just, just because LeBron said something that, A, we either have to listen or B, we have to agree, and if you don't, you're racist or prejudiced, we need to get rid of that. We need to just flat out say, number one, uh, LeBron, you have your First Amendment right. I have the right to say I don't care. And number two, I really have the right to say I, I completely disagree. But again, being the type of individual that I am, highly intelligent, also fair and unprejudiced, I give him the right to say it. I actually don't think he's completely wrong. But I think it takes a certain amount of guts from the media to say, yes, LeBron, we're with you on this. But what about stuff that happens in certain cities every day? Will you speak upon that? Now, at that point, then I will take people like LeBron James seriously. Jamaica, your thoughts, and because, you know, part of my argument, I, I, I wrote a column loosely about this, connecting it to Charleston White. And, and why I prefer someone like Charleston White over LeBron James. Because I think they asked LeBron this question because, one, they know what he's going to say, and, two, LeBron thinks he's furthering the narrative 
that, you know what, if we just took guns away, the hood would be a lot safer. And that's just not true. And, and this, again, why I like someone like Charleston White, because he's making the argument, if we just installed men and families back in these communities, it would be a lot safer. The, the, the problem, and, and LeBron knows this and, and should speak on it, but you know he's a paid shill and he wants everybody to believe like, man, if, if we just took the guns away, uh, the black community would be better off. And again, it's all everything that they are trying to accomplish, they package it as pro-black when it's, it's, it's not pro-anything. Right. You know what? I'm going to go with the whole all gun control is racist. But what surprises me about LeBron is this is the same man that wants us to believe that black people are being hunted and killed. So if you think we're being hunted, why would you not want us to have guns? Why would you not want us to have something that would keep us safe? And as you know, my uncle was murdered on Sunday in his home. And what I believe could have leveled the playing ground when he was ambushed is a gun. That is what I feel like, you know, will level the playing field with me is a gun. So the fact that LeBron can out of the same mouth say, oh, you know, as black people, we're, we're we are being hunted. But at the same time, you don't want us to have anything that will actually keep us safe. It's just silly. And I got in trouble before with some people when I called him an intellectual midget. But that's exactly what I think he is, because he can't even support his argument because he's all over the place. And you're right, he's gonna say what they want him to say because you can't say both things. One or the other is happening. Either we're being hunted hunted, or you feel like we should. I mean, you can't just, you can't say both. The other thing, and Steve, I'll bring you back into this and Shamika, you can respond as well, is, is I went into like, hey, LeBron is talking about what happened at UNLV. Well, there was a young man, a 17-year-old kid, who was beaten and murdered at LeBron's I Promise School. And no one in the media, as far as I know, has asked LeBron a legitimate question about Ethan Lyman, the 17-year-old white kid that was beaten and killed, I believe, in September of 2022, or maybe it was June of 2022. Yeah, I th June of 2022. I, anyway, no one has asked LeBron. LeBron tweeted out a statement about Ethan Lyman, a very superficial, short tweet of a statement. But no one's ever asked LeBron, like, hey, man, uh, some white kid was brutally murdered on your school grounds. What do you have to say about that? He won't get asked that. He won't address it in a legitimate way. But here's something that he knows virtually nothing about. He's not, and again, I know he's playing a couple of basketball games here in Las Vegas, but, but he's no expert. He, he, this didn't directly affect him. But Steve, the, the media conveniently refuses to ask him. And, and the, the, the kids that killed, the young men that killed Ethan Lyman, they got exonerated of the serious charges, involuntary manslaughter, and got convicted of some assault charges. Mm. One guy's gonna do six months in jail, and the other guy's gonna do 18 months. 
and I'm sure they'll get out for good behavior and it'll be shorter than that. But those are the sentences they got for beating up a 17-year-old high school football player at LeBron's I Promise School. No one asked him anything. No one's expecting him to say anything. ESPN's not rushing. Here's what LeBron had to say about Ethan Lyman and the kids that murdered him and how, and kids, they were, I think, 18 and, or 19 and 20 years old when they did this. But, but no comments about that. LeBron hasn't made it. He's afraid to talk about that. And it's, it's a direct result of the lack of fathers in these very matriarchal communities and this sort of chaos and violence is commonplace. And, and you know, I don't want to conflate or confuse people, but the reason why this was so prevalent on my mind this morning is because I, I was just, it just confirmed in me, it's like, this is why I prefer someone like Charleston White over, you know, because their side keeps putting LeBron in our face, a basketball player. I'd rather hear, Charleston White has more to say. He's more informed. Charleston White, you know, based on he's, his history, he got he went to prison for a murder. I, I'd rather hear from him than LeBron James. Anyway, your, your thoughts on how the media protects LeBron James and only ask him certain questions. Well, that, that's exactly the point, though, Jason and Shamika, that the media is complicit. They, they know what they're doing, but I also think of pressure on corporate legacy media. And as having been at ESPN for a couple of years, I know this. If you were going to be that renegade that asked him about that, you would, A, number one, probably be ostracized from the uh, individual player that you asked it from because LeBron is used to a very, very soft coverage. Number two, I think your editors would be horrified and because I think there's a company-wide edict, uh, certainly an unwritten rule, like, hey, let's not ask that question. You can't. Let's kind of keep it in this direction. And number three, you would lose access to that player. And with everything being so much based on access and having individual time and getting that clip on social media, many individuals now in the media are afraid to lose it. The other thing is I think culturally, uh, just veering off a little bit, I think we need to stop, and this goes for everybody, stop looking and worshiping athletes and celebrities as our think leaders of any point. At a certain point, like I get uneasy when I see K-pop fans going to the White House. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, they got the crouching tigers doing this now. Because at the end of the day, I would much rather have a representation of our liquor store owners, the people that own the dry cleaning, and the guys that are doctors and lawyers just running families. That, to me, is a representation of whatever you want to call the quote-unquote American-Asian culture, not Shohei Otani, who has an ability to hit a baseball real far. I think that's a very short-sighted thing. Going back And going back to Charleston White real fast, I respect him for one reason as someone that's very entertained by him, I would venture to guess that he's around more everyday, quote unquote, average black people that LeBron James purports to care about on a daily basis than LeBron ever is at this stage of his life. I think there's an authenticity to his message that simply cannot exist with most athletes or celebrities today. I think you make a great point about the authenticity. There is none with LeBron James and there is, I think, some shtick to uh, Charleston White, but, you know, his shtick, I think, is strategy more than it is him trying to be inauthentic. 
Oh, for sure. And I think Charleston also understands his rights come from God. However he looks at God or how he feels who God is, whereas LeBron James always comes across as if his rights come from the government. And he's the same type of person that would say, oh, the Constitution wasn't written for us or the Constitution isn't for black people. Black people with intelligence understand our rights come from God and the Constitution was put in place so that the government could not infringe on our God-given rights. And so if LeBron understood that, which I think Charleston White does, a lot of the things he says he would not say, starting with his whole Second Amendment spiel, you, the government does not give us our rights. Uh, guys, I want to move on and talk a little bit about uh, Jamal Adams, uh, the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks safety, former New, Jack, New York Jets uh, safety. Before I do that, guys, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Patriot Mobile. You guys know I made the switch to Patriot Mobile for more, for more than 10 years. Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider standing behind their values and their exceptional service. They are an example of putting the cause ahead of profits, and it's why I'm proud to partner with them. Starting today, Patriot Mobile is extending their Black Friday deal to every Friday Matters deal, and you can get a free smartphone when you switch today. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you access to all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without, the funding, the, without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're supporting free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, our veterans and first responders, and more. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your number, keep your existing phone, or for a limited time, get a free smartphone from Patriot Mobile. Go to patriotmobile.com Jason or call 972-PATRIOT and use the promo code FRIDAY76. Again, a free smartphone with the promo code FRIDAY76. This is a limited time offer. Join me. Make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. I made the switch. Totally satisfied with Patriot Mobile. It's been great. I've been using Patriot Mobile now for about a year. Haven't had any problems. I can endorse it at the highest level. Uh, Steve, Shamika, uh, Jamal Adams, uh, <laughs> Got into a dispute, I believe, with a reporter by the name of Connor Hughes. He's some sort of NFL reporter. Connor uh, tweeted out a video of, of Jamal Adams giving up the go-ahead touchdown, uh, I believe, to the, to the Dallas Cowboys in a 41-35 loss and tweeted out, yikes. And then Adams responded. This happened, I think, over the weekend. Adams responded uh, by posting a picture of Hughes with his girlfriend and saying, yikes. And uh, Jamal Adams has doubled down on this. Uh, <laughs> he is not apologizing. Uh, he's saying he did nothing wrong. Uh, he responded to reporters yesterday. Oh, or yeah, yesterday. Oh, it's always the athlete cross the line when he responds. But at the end of the day, disrespect is disrespect. However you want to take it. So I responded. I knew when I hit that tweet, I wasn't in it to win it. At the end of the day, it was to get him to understand to leave me the hell alone. 
Hmm. <sighs> I don't. <laughs> you know, I was see before you and I go. Shamika may throw a curveball here. I want to. Shamika, your thoughts on this? I mean, I just think it was a sassy response, and um, sassy or sassy. That's a. Did you choose that word intentionally? Yeah. Sa- yeah. Zesty response is what you're calling it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it was very feminine. Like, that's something a woman would do. You know, you hear uh, women talk about being shady all the time. It's like gays and women will read you real quick, real quick, real fast, real hard, don't care. So I think that was like a sassy response from him. I don't think, um, like, I can't see you doing that. No, I can't see my granddaddy bringing somebody's wife or girlfriend into the argument. It it was a football play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was sassy. Mm. Uh, Shamika used the word sassy. Uh, Steve, if you had to come up with a word, how would you describe this? Um, Boy. Uncouth. I, I mean, if the reporter is going by actual tape, and what's that old saying in football? The eye in the sky does not lie. Uh, to me, this was a low blow. If if the reporter was strictly talking about a football play with some visual evidence, I, I just wonder. So if Jamal Adams, who does struggle out in coverage a little bit, he's more of a downhill box safety, been a very good player, but he does have some issues in coverage. So if he really took it in the film room, would he then put up a picture of the defensive back coach's wife with yikes or Pete Carroll's wife? with an emoji. I, I, I don't get it. There, there comes a point in time as an athlete, you have to understand if it is about a play, you are fair game. Now, when it comes to family, I always thought that was out of bounds. It kind of reminds me of a story that I heard about Rod crew, great baseball player. Um, and I guess he had this issue with this one reporter who was a little bit overweight. So they're in the locker room and Rod crew walks past this guy and said, Hey, such and such, you ever heard of a salad? And the reporter shot back, well, Rod, you ever heard of an RBI? So I, I but again, that, that's in a different era where I think the players would kind of do more of a give and take. Now, I don't know how most athletes would take it because they are so coddled and insulated now. Any form of criticism is now looked upon as a personal affront. So I think I'm going to throw the curveball here. And, and say that I, I think he made a mistake here bringing the man's girlfriend, wife, whatever, into this deal. That, that, that's silly and stupid. But I've seen a lot worse. I, I, I've had guys threaten to kill me and mean it. Mm. <laughs> and, and I did, now I always thought like, hey, that's the price of admission, you know, these guys are gonna talk tough, and you know what, one of them may take, and some guys did take swings at me or try to attack me or whatever, but I I, I charged it up to the game, uh, you know, because it, it just didn't happen to me back in my era. You know, I think Will McDonough made his name when he, yeah. he cold-cocked uh, some NFL player, uh, and you know, it, it was commonplace in our era, and, and there was, I, I, I'm going to defend Jamal Adams in this regard, in this sense. Athletes and reporters used to engage and see each other all the time. And so if you wanted to verbally get in someone's face, 
shove someone, try to intimidate them a little bit. You had a little access to them and you could. Now that everything has moved to the internet, this dude is playing in Seattle. A reporter in New York is trolling him three, 4,000 miles away. And, and it, it, it's, you can't, it, they might have a whole different relationship if they saw each other in the locker room on a regular basis. Now access is so limited that you don't even establish a rapport, even with guys you don't like. Some side of rapport is like, and, and there's no respect because guys on the Kansas City Chiefs where I had most of my problems, I had a few problems with the Royals, but they were so used to seeing me and and had a grudging respect of like, you know, Whitlock doesn't cry. You know, uh, Wayne Simmons tried to jump him at a strip club and Whitlock didn't run somewhere and cry and go to the Chiefs and say, hey, you got to cut this guy. Uh, I didn't. I just charged it up to the game and, and kept it moving. And I, Marcus Allen, I can remember, I, I did something that was completely out of line during the whole OJ. I was wrong. And Marcus Allen tried to jump on me in the locker room. And I remember I had to I apologize to Marcus. I apologized to his then wife, Catherine. Uh, <laughs> but I could write, I mean, Andre Rising. And now me and Andre Rising, I'm telling you, me and Andre Rising saw each other. We're very cool and respect each other. But that dude did want to kill me. Now, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> you didn't want to kill that guy. <laughs> James, I got to be honest with you. What did you do to piss him? He didn't even want to kill someone that burned his house down. I mean, roof's on right. fire, but I mean, uh, I, I mean, come on, really, really. I think I had a nickname for him that he didn't like. And I mean, I used to just call BS on Andre. He, he came to Kansas City trying to reinvent himself. And, you know, I knew he was still shady as heck. And so I would call him out on it. I, I can't, but I, I, I forget. I, the, the team was so undisciplined. I believe Andre Rosen was there in night. He was part of that 1998 98. Monday Night Football meltdown team. Uh, that that yeah, he was a part of it. Man, they Bam Morris was there dealing drugs. Oh. Uh, to Mark Vanover, who I got a lot of respect for, he was there. I think him and Bam, they were stealing cars. Maybe that, that team was just riddled with character problem people, and the team suffered on the field. And Andre Risen had had enough of me. Uh, <laughs> Derek I mean, Thomas Jason, used to always make the piece for me, though. I mean, Jason, um, was it Bam Morris or Graham Morris? But anyway, uh, <laughs> here's the thing. One of the legendary sports writers in L.A., Doug Krikorian, who was an idol of mine, grew up yeah. uh, reading him through the L.A. Herald Examiner, later Long Beach Press-Telegram. His famous story is that Isaiah Robertson, when he was an all-pro linebacker with the Rams, didn't like a few things Doug Krikorian wrote. He literally chased him around the practice field. I mean, they were chasing each other. And I said to Doug, did he ever catch you? And he says, no. And I said, well, maybe the criticism was deserved that this guy's an all-pro linebacker. He can't catch you. <laughs> maybe he's not doing a great job on the field. The other famous um, clip of uh, Bobby Bonilla, who had a really good career. I think he's still getting paid by the New York Mets for another 50 years. There's this older black reporter, and I guess they had an issue, and this is on YouTube, where they're kind of face-to-face, and then Bobby just took it to the street and said, yeah, man, yeah, we could just start chilling. And he just changed. He just flipped. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Bobby went to the inner city there, like Bobby. And he just got in the face and he said, you want to go there? 
you know, we just chilling. And I'm like, oh, Bobby, don't do it. Don't do it. So maybe those things are more blazed with more integrity because at least you're doing it in a guy's face. But I have a question. So what if a group of fans, though, if Jamal Adams has another bad game, a game where he his pass coverage cost the Seahawks a game, and fans on social media start posting stuff about his family. I mean, what, what? I mean, is he the only one that's allowed to go there? That's why you're kind of playing this dangerous game here. Do you really want to open that Pandora's box? He would turn into Russell Westbrook if that happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I wouldn't have an issue with him coming at that woman if she was the one that said something about him because then, you know, it's like, okay, that's who my beef is with. But she caught a stray for no reason. Right. You know. Emotional men. I like the word yeah. sassy. I, <laughs> emotional men. That, that, yeah. And he's out of character. He's off cold, the whole deal. Jamal cut it out. Uh, Steve, I want to move on to uh, a clip of uh, Stephen A. Smith here. I think he's with Clay Travis here talking about he wants to be the highest paid talent at ESPN. Let's play the clip. Is it important to you based on the way the first time ended at ESPN that you are the highest paid person on ESPN given the work that you're doing for them? Do you think that should be the case? Yes. I'm not stuttering. Hell yes. That's absolutely true. Now, I respect the fact if they feel differently, um, it's not going to be animosity. It's not going to be something where I'm looking at them and I feel like I got screwed. It's a business. Um, and I understand that and I'm a big boy, but I don't believe it's because of what transpired in 2009. That's what under the bridge, the same bosses that let me go. I'm friends with them now. They explained a lot. They highlighted for me what I did wrong, what role I played. My own mother looked me in the face and said, when are you going to look at yourself? It's real easy to point the finger at them, but you're trying to tell me you didn't deserve. You may not have deserved to be fired, but would you have wanted somebody like you working for you the way you may have acted towards your bosses at that time in 2009? You were a bit out of control. So my, my own mother told me that. So I don't blame ESPN for that. But here's the thing. I've changed. I've changed for the better. I grew up. And more importantly, I've mastered my own business. In the world of sports television, Clay Travis, I've been number one for 12 years. Come April 1st, we'll mark yep. 12 consecutive years I've been number one. And not only have I been number one every year, I've been number one every week and every month of every year for the last 12 years. Uh, you don't get to say that about too many people. Um, I look at whether it's Pat McAfee, it's Mike Greenberg, it's Scott Van Pelt, it's Troy Aikman, it's Joe Buck, it's Kirk Herbstreet, the list goes on and on. I'm so honored to have the colleagues that I have that I work with at ESPN every day. I look at other people in the business. I got a bunch of friends at FS1. You know what? Michael Irvin's there, Keyshawn Skip, uh, Richard Sherman, Rob Parker, Chris Boussard. The list goes on and on. Even LaShawn McCoy and Emmanuel Acho and, and Joy Taylor with her fabulous self. The list goes on and on and on. But let me tell you something. I'm the one that's been number one. And at the end of the day, it would be nice for one day for this man to stand before everyone and be like, this is not I'm number one. And this says I'm number one. Now. Hmm. Uh, so he's left off a couple of names there intentionally. Very intentionally. And and. Great, Stephen. You're you're the tallest midget uh, in that time slot. But 
he's leaving off Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon intentionally. Pardon the interruption has been the gold standard for sports talk TV for 20 straight some odd years. And, and again, Stephen A. does something different. He's doing a two-hour block. Those guys have done a half-hour show. But, but you know, it, Stephen A. is acting like he's taking on uh, the murderer's row of competition, and he's not, and he knows that. And so I, I think he has an argument based off of ESPN's system and, and who they have paid. I think he has an argument that says, hey, he should be paid more than many of those other guys, if not all of them. But this whole notion of I've been number one for 12 straight years, I've been this, I've been that. Who you been competing against? <laughs> Nobody. Skip Bayless over at FS1, a network that was in the first few years just trying to get off the ground. And then here in recent years, Shannon Sharp completely sabotaged the, you know, Skip Bayless. So Miss me with all the I've been number one and, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, does he have an argument that he should be the highest paid guy over at ESPN? Yes. But that ain't the argument. Well, Jason, I, I, I find it interesting. Uh, several things. Number one, I appreciate the honesty. Uh, I hate when athletes say it's not about the money. At least he says it's about the money. But don't the media always criticize people that negotiate publicly? Uh, I, I just... But maybe Stephen A is one of those guys that believes every athlete should be paid a lot. So I, maybe it's not hypocrisy. But here's the issue. Um, if Stephen A were to leave the ESPN machine, which is still formidable, it might be declining, but it's still formidable as a platform and a brand. So if he branched out like other people have and just created his own network and platform, would he be number one? I mean, I have seen from the time that I really cared about this, going all the way back to like Craig Kilborn, uh, Dan Patrick, Keith Oberman, when you use that ESPN launching pad for bigger or different things, it's been a mixed bag. There are some people that have flourished, like Robin Roberts. There are other people that have had to come back to ESPN to rebuild or reshine their star. So I have a question. So if Stephen A., does not like the way the negotiations go, and he's number one in terms of getting paid, would he then just say, you know what, I have enough faith in myself, I'm going to do my own thing? Does he actually have the guts to do that? I think that he does. I think that he's launched his own YouTube channel uh, with that intent in mind, but, but I'm about to really say something no one's going to expect me to say. I, I think that he'll have some success with his YouTube channel, and, he, and he's having some. And he has developed into a talented personality and sense of humor and all that. But I think when he gets out here in this YouTube world, if he goes that route single-handedly, I think Shannon Sharp's better than him at that. Mm. I, I don't think he would be number one. I don't think... I don't think he can compete with Shannon Sharp in that lane. And so if that's where everything's headed, and and I, I just I just don't think he can compete with Shannon Sharp in that lane. Think about this. Um, when you travel, and you've probably traveled more than I have, but for people that travel or stay at hotels a lot, when you go into a sports bar or a bar or a pub or a hotel, 
when you don't really know what what is always on when you go to any place ESPN. in there ESPN. I mean, it is so ubiquitous. Um, when you go to a hotel and you don't know where the channels are, one of the first things I, well, I don't do it anymore, but it's more NFL Network for me. But for 25 years, the first thing I did is I'm unpacking. I would just have ESPN as my background music as I got settled in. And I'm sure I can't be the only one. We can say what we want about the cord cutting, the the loss of influence in terms of cable and satellite, how ESPN has declining ratings and how many homes are not in anymore. All of that is true. But what's also true is that is still an incredibly strong, iconic brand. There is a value to being on that platform. So if he's willing to take that risk, if he's not the A-Rod 2001 on the free agent market, best of luck to him. I, I don't think he's going to be forced to, to, to do that. I do think ESPN and him will come to a deal. But I, I'm going to give you another name that in the YouTube space, he won't be able to compete with Pat McAfee. Mm. He, he just won't. And, and, and that's not in any way me taking a shot at Stephen A. Smith because he's already done some good things in the YouTube space. Having Tom Brady on his YouTube show and Tom Brady saying some really provocative things says, hey, Stephen A is going to be a force over here. But, but what you're arguing is, let's say Stephen A wasn't on ESPN at all. Because again, th- does he get Tom Brady on his YouTube channel if he's not still connected to ESPN? Maybe not. Because uh, I, I don't see the synergy there other than, uh, hey, you know, Stephen A's rich, Tom Brady's rich, and we're both in the sports world. But does Tom Brady really like and or care anything about Stephen A. Smith? No. I think Aaron Rodgers has a real affinity for Pat McAfee, and there's a bond there. And that's why Aaron Rodgers has been coming on Pat McAfee's show, plus the money they're paying him. Uh, but, but I'm not – because just – Take and, and Stephen A is building out his business, and that's why he's doing an interview with Clay Travis. These two guys are, 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 are there's an inauthenticity to both of those guys, and that's why Stephen A is on Clay Travis's show trying to reach out uh, to conservatives. But th- there's no common ground there other than they're both, they'll do anything for money and, and traction. Uh, so I, I, I find it interesting what he's saying. I think ESPN's going to pay him. I think he'll have success, uh, over YouTube because he is a talented guy, but if he had to step out here and really compete off the steroids of ESPN, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And, 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 and then it comes down to, uh, what are you willing? And, and he's already proven He's willing to tell virtually any lie and promote any narrative uh, because over here in this YouTube world, this is a weighted headwind situation depending on what truth you tell. And, and uh, you know, Stephen A is willing to play that game with YouTube. He won't. He'll support the vaccine. He'll support whatever he's supposed to support to get YouTube <clears throat> success. So he, he'll have some success, but all this beating his chest, I'm number one, you're going to come over here and find out McAfee and Shannon Sharp, you know, uh, pardon my take, guys, 
Bill Simmons, Ryan Rossillo. There's a lot of guys with strong followings. And, and Stephen A., his level of expertise on sports just is so weak that I'm not sure if he would could topple a lot of these guys that already got a head start on him. Yeah, and one other issue is, so let's say ESPN offers him a contract that makes him only the second highest paid. And, and the other guy that's number one is being paid a dollar more. But he's not number one, and he says, God, I, I got to get my respect. They're only offering $12.5 million. I have a question. Does he really think that the person in middle America that has to work double shifts, that just got laid off from the factory, or has to work two jobs to support two kids making an honest living, is going to have sympathy for him? I'm being dead serious. Like the guy that's a custodian that's scrubbing a toilet is saying, God, dog, they better give Stephen A. his money. Flush, flush, goes on to the next stall. Because I got to tell you, Stephen A. Smith, poor guy, they only offered him. T- I mean, what? give me a br- Really? I mean. He ain't looking for pity. He's not looking for pity. He's not looking. What, what Stephen A. just did with Clay Travis, he just very politely played the race card. He rattled off the names of a bunch of white guys that were making more money than him at ESPN. He's, he's just subtly playing the race card. And ESPN's going to fold and give him the money, and then some woman over there soon, L. Duncan or uh, Mina Kimes or whatever, is eventually they're going to play the, the, the female card. They're paying all these men X, you know, X amount of dollars. How come none of the women can get that kind of money? It, it'll just go on. Because that stuff works at ESPN. I guess it does, but here's, here's the thing. <laughs> the reality for me is... Whether Stephen A. Smith or anybody else that you named was on ESPN or not, I mean, I've told you this before, outside of the boxing and the college football coverage, I literally do not watch ESPN. So I still watch it significantly, especially from September or Labor Day weekend all the way to about early February. But out from about, I would say, early to mid-February all the way to late August, you would be surprised how little ESPN I watch. Because I certainly am not watching women's college basketball, Jason. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to switch to something you still do watch, and that's uh, Inside the NBA on TNT. Or is that what is it called? Yeah, I think it's called Inside the NBA on TNT. Charles Barkley uh, was doing an interview where he got asked about Donald Trump. I'm not a fan of, of what Charles has to say here, but let's play the clip and uh, we'll react. When you hear Trump speak like that, do you take it seriously, literally, figuratively? Do you see Ken and somebody who speaks in a way that regular people can identify no, I, with? I, the thing that concerns me about him, if he were to win again, I think he would spend the next four years just trying to pay back people who've said or did anything to him. And it would I, all be about retribution. It would all be yeah. about retribution. And, you know, we got people out here who need money for their bills. Mm-hmm. They need, you know, food and things like that. So... It, I don't care who the president is. You're supposed to take care of the people. It ain't about retribution. It ain't about what people said about you in the last couple years. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I'm not a big Trump fan. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just not. Because like I say, it's the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. It ain't for no small little group of, of nutty people. It's everybody. I don't care. If, you know, because you know, man, you're independent. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't have anything against Republicans. I don't have anything against Democrats. His supporters would object to you calling them nutty people, though. Well, I only call them that because they are. Uh, (laughs) They're crazy. They're like your drunk friend. Like, once your friend's drunk, there's nothing you can say to him. Like, can you imagine? Let me ask you this question. You ever seen the movie A Time to Kill? Yes, I have, actually. And when a guy says, can you imagine President Obama was acting like this dude been acting, but they'd be like, this dude cannot be president. Yeah. You, he's not even presidential. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're supposed, like, even George Bush uh, uh, Sr., Jr., excuse me, even though you might, I might not agree with his policy, but he acted like a president. Like, you're supposed to be, like, superior. I know, but you're, lead, for, you're the leader of the most important place in the world. You're supposed to carry yourself a certain way. Hmm. I've been friends with Charles for a long time. Eventually, again, this is this corporate TV deal. It it erodes your authenticity and makes you say dishonest things. And I don't think Charles believes any of that, but he knows that's what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it, it it's no different than the conversations I used to have with my family about Trump early on. And, I, you know, they were, oh, he's so unpresidential. He's so this. He's so, I'm talking about my family. Because my family is very street, very ghetto. My <laughs> uncle, my father, my father's friends. I could start rattling off a few of these guys that are still alive. The people that hung at the Masterpiece Lounge. My people. No different than Donald Trump. And I used to, I'd say to my mother, she would be crying, I'd go, How's Donald Trump any different than Uncle John? Mm-hmm. You telling me Uncle John wouldn't be somewhere talking about, yeah, I grabbed her by the blah, blah. Come. I said, this is Uncle John. Right. The man who, <laughs> this is my uncle. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just keeping it real. My uncle died and left me his porn collection in his will. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just, and so, and so like, that was his gift to me in death. And so, not that he had a will, but that was his gift to me in his death. And I'm like, we loved Uncle John. Uncle John is my favorite uncle. It was my mother's only brother, but she worshiped the ground her brother walked on. Everybody loves Uncle John. No different than Donald Trump. Uh-huh. Every black man that I know that hung at the Masterpiece Lounge with my daddy and his boys and they went on them golf trips. They were all just like Donald Trump and I'm like, what are y'all talking about? What are y'all doing? I'm like, mom, you a factory worker. And, and my, you know where I get all, because now on this show and in recent years, I've cleaned up a lot of my sense of humor and a lot of my behavior. But my sense of humor, which is very crude, I, I used to not be able to tell a joke that wasn't profane and straight out of the Richard Pryor playbook. It all comes from my mother. My mother now at 84, sanctified in church, two day, she got a dirtier sense of humor than I do now. It's the, 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 the script is flipped. And I'm, so I listen to Charles Barkley and I'm like, come on, man. You, you, you got busted getting some head work done, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and now Donald Trump is, oh, I can't stand Donald Trump. And then the, the statement about, you got people out here that need money for their bills. Uh, yes. And I'm like, 
Yeah. Is Joe Biden taking care of that? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you telling me you telling me things weren't better financially for people before? So, right. So who are you really concerned about? Mm -hmm. Your reputation with TNT and your next contract? Or what's best for the people? Exactly. Anyway, I, I've rambled enough. Yeah. Your, your, your thoughts, Amika? That's what irritated me as well, because if you were really concerned about those of us that needed food or gas or the prices of living that have gone up, rent, mortgage, you wouldn't be sitting here saying the things that you are saying because Joe Biden and him shipping billions of dollars to Ukraine would matter to you. And then another thing that irritated me about what he had to say was his whole, well, you know, I'm independent and I don't have, you know, anything against the Republicans or the Democrats, but the Republicans were the only ones that you actually had something negative to say about in this whole little rant right here. And then calling Trump supporters nutty. What's nutty is you standing in front of the world pledging allegiance to the flag without the L. That's what's nutty. And I'm, I'm unaffiliated. So I don't, you know, I could say I don't have anything against the Republicans or the Democrats, but that wouldn't be true. Because when I look at who is, to me, against the black community or trying to keep depopulate the black community, it's only one group that is pushing Planned Parenthood and homosexuality, and that is, that's not the Republicans. So to Charles, I think you need to back up and look at your statement and look at who's doing what and stop trying to form allegiance with a group of people who really do not care about black folks. Steve? Yeah, I mean, with Barkley, and I think that's that show on CNN with Gail King, so you know where that's going. And I, I still remember about eight years ago, I think during the riots or the uprising or the large gatherings over Mike Brown in Missouri, someone asked him about the looters, and he said, oh, I think they're scumbags. That's Charles Barkley. I don't think he's really changed that. This is the hypocrisy of guys like Charles, who I've been a big fan of throughout the years for the most part. Uh, I would love to know where your zip code is, because I guarantee you there's probably more Republicans then there are Democrats. There's a reason why you live among people that you will now claim are your oppressors, okay? And that, that goes for most athletes that spout this. The other issue that I have is, I wanna go back to this. If you wanna have a serious conversation about race, culture, politics, don't get a guy whose number one ability is to put a ball into a hole or score touchdowns. Get a Thomas Sowell, get a Colonel West, get a Ben Carson. If you wanna have a serious discussion Okay, because let me just tell you something. If you're going to have some sort of rainbow coalition and you needed an Asian representation on that show, the last thing I would choose is any type of entertainer or athlete. I would actually say, okay, if you want to have an Asian person on there, I would much rather have someone that is not in that field, that is not famous, that is not popular, that didn't go out there and perform for the masses. I would much rather have a business owner or somebody who's a doctor, someone of that note. We have to stop exalting people or putting them in exalted positions just because of their athletic ability or their ability to sing. Charles Barkley, I like him when he does. When he, when he watches and commentates about basketball, I'm interested. When he talks about anything else, for the most part, especially on that stage with Gail King, because you know where the puppet strings are leading him, I'll just have that right to tune out. Yeah, Charles's job there is to 
tell young black men voting for Trump is a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. That's his job. There's all this concern that black men are abandoning the Democrat Party and, and Charles is being used to say, hey, you black guys that watch basketball and, you know, I'm telling you, tis, tis, uh, Donald Trump's a bridge too far. Let me sit out here and lie and pretend like <clears throat> I was never friends with Donald Trump, that I don't act the same way as Donald Trump, mm-hmm. that, that somehow yeah. miss me. I mean, you, you got, I mean, the stuff that's in Hunter Biden's laptop that everybody knows. The, the, the stuff that you have to ignore about Joe Biden. So, and I'm not trying to defend Trump. I'm just keeping it real. Until one of Trump's daughters comes out with a diary that says he used to take showers with me. Right. Miss me with all of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Miss me with all of it. Like, oh, he is Donald Trump and his supporters are nutty and mm-hmm. Donald Trump, he's unpresidential. Joe Biden is sniffing the hair, the underarms, the crotches of anybody he can. From age 12 to 82, mm-hmm. he will sniff you. But Right. And what's presidential about getting lost on stage, falling every time you walk, not being at... What's presidential about that? He can't even re- know that he's in this world with us. Complete a sentence, but that's presidential? <laughs> <laughs> I knew these topics were too good not to get fired up. Uh, hey, before we move on to this last deal, I want to talk to you guys about uh, Unitas. The sports and lifestyle apparel industry has been dominated for years by companies with divisive agendas, companies that use your dollars to fund things you probably don't agree with. Unitas is the alternative. It's a new clothing company founded by NBA player Jonathan Isaac that offers a values-based alternative for stylish, high-quality sport, sports and lifestyle apparel. But it's more than cool clothes. Unitas is a community and a movement bringing people together in support of traditional values like faith, family, and freedom. When you shop Unitas, you're supporting a company committed to bolstering these values and upholding them in the marketplace. Jonathan recently launched his first signature shoe under the Unitas called Judah One. The Judah One is a is making history as the first ever signature shoe to feature a visible Bible verse on the exterior. The collection features five different shoes in five different colorways, all inspiring you to live out your faith with boldness. To shop the Judah One, visit weareunitas.com. That's weareunitus.com. Use the promo code Blaze1 at checkout for free shipping. Steve, uh, they're going to decide the uh, Heisman Trophy this weekend. Uh, you're the only expert on this. Uh, is, did, did, did Shadur Sanders, did he get invited? Did Dion's boy get invited to this? I knew you couldn't resist. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. Who's winning the Heisman? In my view, you asked me. I'll give you an answer. The whole year, or most of the year, I thought that young Southpaw from Washington, Michael Penix, was going to win it. He was my number one choice. But, you know, this is about the most outstanding player, right? It's hard for me to overlook that young man at LSU, Jaden Daniels. I actually think he's the best quarterback. He'd be my quarterback one over Caleb Williams because, number one, 
He actually is a really good player. Um, I haven't seen him emotionally break down in his mother's arms. And number three, whoever drafts him, he's not going to demand part ownership of that franchise. So he fits all the boxes. And to me, he's the modern-day quarterback. He can run, but he could throw. He has unbelievable arm talent. Brian Kelly's done a great job of developing him the last two seasons. And to do it in what is probably the best conference in terms of defensive talent in the SEC, the numbers are just too staggering. And Penix had that run, even though they kept winning. He scuffled for about three, four weeks. So in, on my ballot, it would be Jaden Daniels on top from LSU. Steve, I can't argue with you because I so overdosed on Colorado football this year oh, that <laughs> my perspective is blurred. And the only guy I can think of, I'd make Travis Hunter the Heisman Trophy winner oh, based off geez. of my football viewing. There you go. <laughs> I'm I just mean, you, I, I overdosed on Colorado. I didn't look at the rest of the country nearly as closely. It didn't happen well, no, in the Pac-12. It just didn't happen. I mean, you're making, by the way, you're making heads explode here because of all the Dion talk, all the groupies, the jock sniffers. Uh, anyway, that, that didn't work out. I actually see videos now coming onto your side. I'm like, ooh, wait a minute. This is tar-. Then with old Charleston White, I, I have to tell you, and then I saw more videos of the reactions of Jason White, uh, Jason Whitlock with Charleston White. And I'm like, hmm, this, 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 there, there's some conflicted feelings out there in YouTubeville. Mm-mm-mm. Good stuff. Thank you, Steve. Uh, great job. Uh, before we get to Brett Favre, I want to uh, take care of our guy, Phil Robertson, who has a new movie out, uh, The Blind. For years, Hollywood has been lacking when it comes to stories of redemption. Movies and TV shows have trended towards the anti-hero, the flawed person who makes no effort to change and just becomes worse and worse as the story goes on. Well. Here's some great news. The Blind, the true story of the Robertson family, is now available for purchase on Blaze TV. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. Maybe someone you love is in a dark place. Maybe all the above. If you or someone you know feels beyond redemption, you need to watch this movie. You'll see there is always hope, always. The Blind takes you on an incredible journey through the life of Phil Robertson, giving you an intimate look into the man behind the legend and the trials and triumphs and the values that have shaped him through the years. While The Blind wasn't a Blaze Media production, since Phil is such a big part of our Blaze TV family, we wanted to make sure you had the opportunity to stream it here. Because it isn't ours, we can't include it as part of our subscription package, but if you'd rather purchase it and stream it here rather than Apple or Amazon, we wanted to make sure the opportunity was there, and so now it is. Don't miss this opportunity to own The Blind. A Phil Robertson story on Blaze TV. Buy it today at blazetv.com slash the blind for $19.99. That's blazetv.com slash the blind. All right. Fun slinger, Brett Farr. Next. When you need 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jason Whitlock, previously on Fearless. Do you think Joe Biden will be on the ballot come November? Next, yeah, next November. Such a hard question, but all right, I'm going to have, if I have to answer it, I'm going to say yes, because even though everyone around him and Axelrod and others are saying, you need to step down, this is absurd, you can't do it. I just don't think he's going to voluntarily walk away from power. I mean, I just think he's not going to do it willingly. He's not going to do it. And I don't think he's going to listen to Barack Obama coming and putting him, you know, pulling him aside, saying for the good of the country. I think he's full of hubris. I think he's a dishonest person. I think he is very narcissistic, as you kind of have to be in order to run for president. And he's going to think he can do it and that everybody else is wrong. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to Mississippi and uh, bring in the fun slinger, the former gunslinger, Brett Farr. Brett, uh, big weekend, big week in Packerland. Sunday night football, Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers knock off the defending Super Bowl champions and Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, do it in impressive fashion where Jordan Love clearly outplays uh, Patrick Mahomes, and all of a sudden, you know, Green Bay is a legitimate playoff contender at this point. Uh, th- this this type of victory for Jordan Love early in his career uh, could could be a huge confidence boost for him and the entire team. No, absolutely. Um, if if you were new to football and watched that game. You would think that the Packers were the defending Super Bowl champs. Um, as a team, collectively, they outplayed the Chiefs. Uh, Jordan Love outplayed Mahomes. Now it's one game, but for his young career, Jordan Love, it's definitely a statement game. You know, I don't think. The Packer faithful had written them off several weeks ago, but I think they were kind of resigned to the fact that this is going to be a learning curve year where the youngest team in football will, we, we look forward to next season, but now they're in the hunt and the way they're playing, I would not want to be the team that faces them the next few weeks. So We'll see how it plays out, but they definitely made a statement that they're not going away easy. All right, so that victory made me dig into the vault, made my team dig into the vault, and and say, well, hold on, what was the game where Brett Favre maybe established himself as the future leader of the Packers and the future of the NFL? 
And, and you know, there's a game where you kind of plant your flag and say, hey, man, I can really play in this league. And so our research reveals that uh, in November 15th, almost, you know, 1992, that's, that's almost what? My man, 35 years. That's 30 years ago. Th- 31. 31, Brett. My, I'm, my math's a little bit better than yours. 31 years ago, <laughs> on November 15th, you're 2-4 and four and faced the Philadelphia Eagles and Reggie White. And you guys play a hell of a game and, and win. Uh, Philadelphia is a very good team that year. They go 11-5. and five. You guys end up, uh, yeah, I think you finished that season, you individually, with an 8-5 and five record. Uh, do you remember that game, and do you remember what it did for your confidence moving forward? Uh, I, I remember the game very well for one particular reason, but I, but I do remember the whole landscape of the game. It was played in Milwaukee, which a lot of Packer fans – younger generation Packer fans go Milwaukee. Well, my first two years as a Packer were the last two years that they did the season ticket uh, package that Milwaukee got three games and Lambeau got five. They'd done it for many years. So that is one of the reasons I remember. The second reason I remember I was, a, I was very young into my career, as you said, and there was not a more menacing defense presently in 92, 93, 91, 90, like the Philadelphia Eagles. They had kind of, the, the, the 86 Bear defense was dominating. They kind of transitioned into this Philadelphia Eagles. Every player they had, when we were in studio, my good friend Seth Joyner was one of those guys. They were loaded. And I'll be honest with you. I, the hair on the back of my neck stood up before that game. I was a little nervous. Not Let me, let me tell you this. Not so much nervous, a little scared. They were imposing. None more than Reggie White. But lo and behold... The, the one time up to that point where I really had been hurt in the football game happened right before the halftime. And uh, I hit, as I'm looking at the screen here, I hit Harry Sidney on a, or I tried to hit him. And you see me holding my shoulder. Reggie plants me after a throw, grabs me by the arm and drives my shoulder into the ground. Now he says... You know, we we did play together for quite a few years after. He says he didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think there's a, a couple of games that being one of them where that being one the one that really started the tough guy, as Mike Holmgren liked to call me. There was two things he called me: John Wayne, which was good. Or Billy Bob, which was bad. That's the where I earned the name John Wayne. Uh, statistically speaking, uh, I don't know if I ever in the in my career just lit it up. But I think that's the game that kind of set me apart. And and Reggie claimed 
that that's the reason he signed with Green Bay. Um, now, he did get better offers. So he said he wanted to play with a, a, a team that had a quarterback that was not going out, no matter what. And Brett was that guy. The other signature game was not so much me in particular, but us as a team was when we beat San Francisco in the playoffs out there the first time we played them. And uh, I'll be totally honest with you. I wasn't scared of them like I was the Eagles defense, but I didn't privately. I never, hopefully I never exuded this to my teammates, but I didn't think we had a chance. I mean, the mighty 49ers, Steve Young, super prolific, opportunistic defense. I mean, they had a lot of names that you recognize. And we go out there and just lay it, lay the wood to them. Uh, so that was our team signature game. I would say my toughness signature game and coming out game would be the Eagles. This is a ticklish situation, I think, for a lot of people to, to talk about. I'm one of the few people, because I just think it's easy, to, it's easy and it's deserved to say that uh, Lawrence Taylor is the greatest defensive player of all time. I think it's easy to say that, and I think it's deserved. But I actually believe Reggie White is the greatest defensive player of all time. And, and, and I don't mean that to slight Lawrence Taylor in any way, but, but there were stretches, and, and I know people say it, but there were stretches where I'm just saying, Reggie White was just completely unblockable. He, he yeah. was physically just so overpowering and what I, I saw him treat and, and sometimes Larry Allen did this as an offensive lineman. He would treat defensive players like rag dolls. Like a rag doll. But yeah. I, I, yeah. And I've seen Reggie do that, but anyway, is it, do you have an opinion one way or the other, Reggie White or Lawrence, and we mean no disrespect to either guy. No. You know, Reggie's passed. Uh, but do you have an opinion one way or the other? I, I think in, in, in some respects, they were the same type of player or position-wise. But in other respects, they were different. And I, I think it's a matter of preference. You like ice cream? I don't. You like steak and potatoes? I like tacos. I mean, you know, I, you, you, you can't go wrong with either one. Now, I didn't play with Lawrence Taylor, ironically, the, the last play of Lawrence Taylor's career was a sack on me in uh, the Meadowlands when he blew his Achilles out. So that's, that's my famous Lawrence Taylor story. But Reggie, athletically, Lawrence Taylor was an unbelievable athlete. I think when he set foot on the field, he might be the best athlete on the field at any given time except for when Reggie was on the field. Reggie was, I wouldn't say twice as big as Lawrence, but he was big, 6'5", 6'6", 330. Uh, if he dabbled in the chicken wings a little bit, he'd be 350. We used to pick on him about that. He said there was, uh, what was it, three weaknesses, a hard count, uh, some, some kind of... Uh, dessert and uh, hot wings and he and he dabbled in them but 
you remember the, the, the plays where the running back or the tackle would tr- go to cutting and he would hurdle, literally hurdle them and run down guys. And you're right. A good example of how Reggie White was was treated would be the Patriots Super Bowl in which we won. The whole game, he doesn't do anything. Now, I, that, that, that's kind of a misstatement because uh, he was being doubled and triple teamed the whole time. So you never hear his name called. So you're like, what, Reggie White, what's he ain't doing nothing today. Well, when they let their guard down and blocked him one-on-one, what's he do? I think he had two or three sacks right in a row. So his impact was always at an all-time high. But, again, you can't go wrong with either one. I probably got a little bit of a bias because uh, I think Jeff George, who I grew up with, one of his first games as an Indianapolis Colt was against the Giants, and I covered the game as a sports writer. And uh, Lawrence Taylor hit Jeff, injured him in some capacity. And after the game, as a journalist, I'm in there asking questions. And he can, I don't know how he knows, but he can pick up my bias. I don't know the tone of questions. Or, and he threatened to beat me up uh, in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> Only time I was ever scared in a locker room. So that's my Reggie. Uh, that's my Lawrence Taylor story. Uh, yeah, Reggie would have never, Brett, never done that. No, no. Brett, Reggie would have prayed for me. Say, hey, young yeah. man, let me pray for you. Uh, yeah. Don't ask any more stupid questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I want to move on to. Uh, I think people are starting to pick up on what I've been talking about for the past month to six weeks. Is that hey, uh, let's not just hand the MVP trophy to one of these quarterbacks. And the Vegas odds still all favor quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Tua Tungviola, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Anyway, I saw this week that uh, ESPN, Bill Barnwell, one of their top football experts, he came out with a whole story about unique and different uh, MVP candidates rather than just going with top quarterback on the top 10. And he started rattling off a lot of the names that I've been talking about all year. Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Trent Williams, uh, Jason Kelsey, you know, just widening the the possibilities of MVP candidates. And and I I don't want to sit up and badmouth the quarterbacks, but it just hasn't been the greatest year for quarterbacks. And I'm wondering what you think of uh, any of, should we be considering some of these other guys for MVP beyond the quarterbacks? I think what's kind of gotten lost over the years is what an MVP is. The most valuable player to their team. Uh, who, Who could, which player taken from that team What's would spell doom for their success or even potential success. Not necessarily the most popular player, uh, which I think sometimes that's that's the the trend is a good player, a great player in some respects, uh, but the most popular player. So I, I think you're you're absolutely right. I think. 
I, I would like to see a player, a defensive end, a receiver, an offensive lineman, maybe that hasn't given up a sack in three years. That would be amazing. You know, to me, not giving up a sack in a season is like throwing 40 touchdowns. But no one cares except the guy throwing the ball because his backside is protected. So I would love to see someone like that uh, recognized. Absolutely. Do you have a, if you had to pick your MVP right now, who would you pick? You know, you put me on the spot. I, I really don't know. I, I, I'd love to dive into the statistics of offensive linemen, defensive linemen, safeties, linebackers. Um, right off the top of my head, I'm, th- I'm trying to think of the linebacker for the 49ers. I'm drawing a blank. Who can do it all? Fred Warner. Yeah, you know, and I'm just throwing him out as an example. You know, someone who can. I go ahead. Miles Garrett is having a great year for the Browns. They may make the playoffs. He's been a really disruptive force. Uh, you know, Micah Parsons been very good with Dallas. Uh, but to me, I still contend Tyreek Hill. He's the mini Randy Moss. I think he's a great candidate, and I think so is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Brett, I want to move to uh, college football uh, just because everybody's talking about it. And I was like, why not Brett Favre? Florida State got left out of the college football playoffs. Uh, You have quite a memorable moment in 1989 from knocking off Florida State. Do you feel sorry? Are you you part of the pity party? that uh, Florida State got left out of the college playoffs? You shed any tears this weekend? Well, I wouldn't say I feel sorry for them. I think they got absolutely railroaded. Um, Really? I I just, I think that they deserve to go in. Uh, I'm not saying I like Florida State or dislike them. I think they they earned the spot. No no different than Washington. how would how would both those teams, Washington and Florida State, pair against Georgia? I think Georgia got railroaded. You go undefeated for only three years, lose one game, and you're out of the playoffs. You go from four one to to eight or seven or six. I mean, Brett, I just want to I want to warn you. I'm sending this tape to Nick Saban. Are you suggesting Alabama does not belong in the playoffs? Is, is that what you're saying, Brett? Well, th- by winning that game, they deserve to. <laughs> and I'm not saying I like Alabama or dislike them. But I think that w- what they're going to next year is long overdue because every year we have this argument. And it's great. I love to argue. That's what all sports talk is about. I wish they had never gotten a playoff in college football. I like that it was different. I like the they ought to have, they ought to have the like the sixty four that they have in basketball and baseball. Let them do. Let them just beat beat each other to death until they get to a, a last man standing. <laughs> <laughs> they should play seventeen games like NFL. Well, they're getting paid. Well, they, like they, NFL they, they will now, eventually. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting paid like NFL players, so why not? 
All right, so Brett's on the uh, Florida State pity party bandwagon. I, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, how's the deer hunting going, bro? You, 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 you feeding the family? What, what, you kill anybody yet? Kill anything yet? I've, I've been to the supermarket, if that tells you anything. <laughs> you know, my wife well, huh? gives me the hardest time about never getting, never bringing anything home. I'm selective, but also I think for me, it's it's the camaraderie. You know, it's uh, I, I enjoy the solitude of being out there by myself. Now, would I, had I not played pro football and had so much success for for so long, I don't know if I would have enjoyed hunting or or. And I'm not a fisherman, but I, I have fished. Where you're alone, spending just no one's you're kind of decompressing. Uh, and that's that's the the joy. I love being outdoors. We we have a, a lot of acres here at home, and I love doodling, you know, out pruning trees, cutting grass, weed eating, chopping firewood. Uh, just I love doing that stuff, and I do a lot of it alone. So hunting's kind of the same thing. Uh, I I don't have to get something every time I go out. Um, it's more just being in touch with nature. You get to see things that you would never get to see sitting in an office and, and being around a lot of people. Um, I mean, it's really amazing. All right. Uh, since, you know, you're reminiscing a little bit, talking about what, what's your thoughts on Christmas? Are you a big Christmas guy? Do you remember Love your it. favorite Christmas gift? Love it. Love, we, we do. We go all out here putting up lights. Now, we're empty nesters, so people probably go, what the hell are they doing? They don't. But we have three grandkids. We have three nieces. Uh, um, I, I got several n nephews and uh, um, that, that come in. We, we have we watch movies every night at our house. We have several friends of ours that come over, and we like to to put the lights up and the trees and all that stuff. So we do that. So and and a a big thing growing up was getting to put the tree up together. Uh, now the 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 negative or downside was we had to take it down together. Dad was like, "Oh, you wanted to put it up, you taking it down." <laughs> But I think my favorite—I don't know if it was my necessarily favorite gift—but my favorite memory. We always—I got an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister, and we all got along great. And we we believed in Santa Claus. We wanted to believe up until forever. But one one Christmas, me and my older brother got these little motorbikes. I mean, they were they were. I don't know if you can see on the screen. They were they're like tiny, like a foot. Now we wasn't very big. And so we we cranked them up at night in the house. My dad threw a damn hissy fit uh, at four in the morning, raising hell that we had cranked these motorbikes up. So we shut them down. But the next day, that, that when it turned daylight, we were out riding them. Well, my younger brother was upset that he didn't get one. And so I'm riding out in the front yard going as fast as it went. I don't know how fast it was. And he was 
out in the yard and he was like, stop, stop. And I ran right smack over him and just plowed him. And uh, by the end of the day, the motorbikes were broken and they never worked again, if you can believe that. <laughs> My dad said, I am I not can't... fixing them. <laughs> I can't believe that. It's so funny. <clears throat> Young people can't relate. My, I, my, I really have one favorite Christmas gift of all time. And it's, I'm an idiot. I love those electric football boards that shook. Oh, yeah. And you put uh, the little, that was my favorite gift and of all time. I'll never forget back, it. Wasn't that the worst game ever? It, you were at the mercy of the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> They'd run off any direction. But it was my favorite thing. I can still, that sat under our tree for weeks, and I would hold that box knowing what was inside of it. <sighs> anyway, Brett, uh, thank you so much. Happy hunting this week. Uh, I th we'll see you next week, and then we got a two-week Christmas break uh, coming up. So uh, we'll see you next week, Brett. Thank you. Great okay, job, geez. as always. Uh, yep, want to talk to you guys about... Uh, how you can make a little extra Christmas money the way, and this this is a true Whitlock Mama Whitlock story. Uh, we'd have our best Christmases after Mama would go to the pea shake house and hit the lucky number, and that's how she got me that electric football game. Uh, my mother, you know, for better or for worse, I just keep it real. <laughs> my mother likes to gamble, and she loves prize picks. Are you guys uh, testing your football skills? Uh, your daily fantasy skills on prize picks. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. My mom, Mama Whitlock, sent me her picks she's selecting for this NFL Sunday. Uh, she's got Devontae Adams, the old Green Bay Packer, now Raider, uh, with more than 68 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you guys know Lamar, the quarterback, more than 202 passing yards versus the Rams. Uh, and Christian McCaffrey, my leader in the clubhouse uh, for MVP, more than 80 and a half rushing yards against Seattle. Go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com. Slash Fearless, use the promo code FEARLESS. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, that's it. That's all for us. We'll play some tomorrow. And that means we'll see you tomorrow.